Welcome to Dual Delivery with Todd and Pat, where we give you our point of view. P.A.T. Can I kick it? Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Dual Delivery Podcast with Patrick and Clay today. And Todd is in Texas. We're going to get him on the phone here in a little bit. We got a special one today. We are out in Parkville at Hitch Fit Gym with a special guest, Kevin Murray. He's going to be on here today. We've been looking forward to this one for a little while. He was at the top of the list with uh, people I needed to get on here and, and get his story put out there. Um, so we'll jump right into it. I got Clay here as, as my up? backup. And Kevin, finally having you on. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. Great yeah. to be with you guys. Yeah. Um, I've known Kevin for a little while at, uh, through Roger Sporting Goods. He's, uh, that's how I met him. He's an avid hunter like myself. So I kind of met him through that back in the day. Um, and now he's, he's made a jump into some, some craziness that I, I don't understand. So, um, but he's got a great story and so we'll jump right into it. But again, we're out here at HitFit Gym in Parkville, and um, I'll kind of have Kevin run through kind of what it is. So I, I, I never heard of it, and then, and then Kevin um, told me where he was training at and, and doing the training. But So we're in Parkville, and um, actually, let's do this. Let's set the base just so people kind of get an idea of who we're talking to. So, like I said, I met you at Roger Sporting Goods, obviously, as an avid hunter. But before what you do now, so you worked at uh, Kansas City uh, Police Department. How many years did you put in there? I worked there for 26 years. I was a police officer for 25, retired last summer. Retired last summer, yep. Um, so put in a lot of years, uh, big city. Um, did you do – you grew up in the Kansas City area, I was talking to you before we started this, but you've been here forever. Yeah, it's a pretty quick background story. Born and raised here in Kansas City. Uh, graduated from Winnetonka High School in 1989. Then went on to Warrensburg at what was then Central Missouri State University. Yeah, UCM uh, now. Yeah, UCM yeah. now. Uh-huh. Always tough to get used to that name yeah. change. We're former mules, so oh, we yeah. got our... Got a bunch of alumni here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're just having an alumni sesh. So graduated from there in 94, uh, took me a little bit to get on with the police department, took about a year, started there in 1995, and uh, that's and pretty that much was the it. background. Yeah, you were, it. did you want to be a, as a, as growing up though, was, is, was that a passion you thought about getting into or just kind of fell into becoming a police officer? No, I don't know if I can say this out loud, yeah. but I wanted to be a fireman growing up, just uh-huh. like everybody else. Yeah. Um, they get all the love. Yeah, everybody loves firemen. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know when. I don't know when that changed. Uh, probably sometime in college. Yeah, is, uh, is when I decided that's the path I wanted to take. Sure. And so, and Kansas City is only where you worked. Yeah. And did they have? Did they have the academy back then? Their own academy? Is that how they yes. did it back then yeah. too? Yep. Yeah. So get through that twenty-five years. And then, uh, and then the story really changes. So, and and which is why I have you on today. So, um, 
if people, well, if they find you on Facebook, this isn't a hidden thing, but uh, are you 50 now? Yeah, 50. I'll be 51 in July. 51 in July. So you retire after 25 years of being a cop, at, and you're 47, 48 at the time, and decide, hey, I want to become this, to me, this badass 48-year-old doing marathons and running all the time, which no one likes running, but, uh, and I don't know if you like running, but. I hate it. it. Yeah. <laughs> I hate but, same. But you're always running and doing these crazy races and, and, uh, um, which we'll get into some of those. It's some wild stuff. So you make the transition. Um, but you were telling me at Rogers, you, uh, when I first learned about you were retiring, so you were getting, you had to get certified, and you wanted to be an, uh, a trainer, correct? Yeah, so this this all started probably, I don't know, 2017, 2018. Um, I've always stayed in fairly decent shape. I've always worked out. And I kind of knew then that, that once I retired, I wanted to coach. I wanted to be a trainer somewhere. Uh, my wife was actually a client here of HitchFits in 2018. That's how I got introduced to it. And I just knew pretty quickly then that this is where I wanted to be. Um, and, and the story kind of starts to unfold, and we'll just jump into it. Uh, probably November of 18, um, I hadn't, hadn't been working out a lot. I was out of shape. Uh, I'm about six feet tall, and I probably weighed 225, 230 at the time, probably 22, 24% body fat. Wasn't in great shape. Um, I hide it well with my frame, um, but I knew better. I knew better than to be in the condition that I was in. So started working out again, um, and over three or four months, dropped about 20 pounds, got in a little better shape, and, and life was good. Things were great. Um, just bored. I was kind of unfulfilled, um, and I, I just needed a mission. I needed something, something big, something that scared me, something to focus on. And that first mission... Um, was a triathlon. It was an indoor sprint triathlon, a really short event. Um, and it was about eight weeks out from when I signed up for it. Uh, but what made that scary was that I didn't know how to swim. Okay. So I had eight weeks to <laughs> at figure 48. it out. At, I was 47, 47. at the time. Okay. Uh, so I, I started taking swim lessons. I had a great, great coach. Uh, her name was Jessica. Shout out to you, Jessica, if you're listening. Where, where was that at? Where did uh, you That do was that? at Norterre. In Liberty. in Liberty. Okay, yeah. sure. So uh, she she was awesome. Um, I I trained with her two or three times a week. I was in the pool every other day on my own doing drills. She had me legitimately swimming in about two weeks. Um, four weeks into it, I think it was four, maybe five weeks. I did a one mile pool swim, and <clears throat> somewhere about that time, I. I started seeing some ultra marathons popping up, and I hadn't ran in years. Um, and I was like, man, there's another big, scary goal. So mm -hmm. about the same time, I signed up for an ultra marathon that was on September 11th. It was a nine-hour uh, event to run a one-mile loop as many times as you can in nine hours. Um, and so I started running. That first run was two miles, and... And things just kind of escalated from there. So a few weeks later, I did the triathlon. And then in September, that was my first organized race ever. I had never done a 5K or anything like that. Yeah. 
Um, probably my best performance. The weather was horrible. We started at noon, and it was low 90s, you know, humid, no wind, no clouds. Um, and I think there were 37 people in that race, and I finished in fourth place. And even though I don't like running, um, and I was destroyed after that, after that, but uh, I was kind of hooked. I was yeah. kind of hooked on, on seeing what I'm capable of. And was I that before your triathlon? Uh, it was a few or months when, after. That was a few months after. Yeah. And so triathlon, you've got running, swimming, and, and, biking. Bi- and biking. Yeah. Um, and then like ultra marathons or marathons, that's just all running. Correct. Okay. Gotcha. I, I have no, I, one of these days I'm sure I'll, I'll, I don't know. I probably won't ever do one, but yeah, maybe. Um, so that's kind of how it evolved. Yeah. Um, and then I just kind of have escalated, escalated. From sure. There. Every time I, I scratch off a goal, I, I come up with one a little bit scarier. So you literally, you jump head first into this or feet first into the pool. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully. I, well, it's crazy to think about because yeah. you, and obviously you, you're not the only one out there, but you know, just you think, my gosh, 40, you know what I mean? And you're trying to learn how to swim. Yeah. You talk about, I can still just sitting here telling you that I can still feel the anxiety of going. Have you swam pool. since? Um, since that triathlon and I have a pool in my backyard. I've swam one time since then. I <laughs> so hate running and I hate purpose. swimming even worse. Okay. Um, is it the nerves though, or like, I just don't like it. Just don't like it. It's hard. You'd rather swimming, sit not. When you when you see people swimming, especially competitive swimmers that are racing, you can't appreciate if if you haven't done it. You can't appreciate how fast they are and how easy they make it look. It's not, and especially not easy to learn at forty seven. But I grew up water skiing. I'm very comfortable in the water. Uh-huh. Um, I just didn't know how to swim. Right. It's not. Yeah. You're more. I'm more of the jacuzzi type. Yep. I just want to <laughs> sit in the hot tub. Yeah. Watch some sports and uh, and have a beer or something like that. Yep. I don't know. That's much um, more fun. Not yeah. timing your breath the whole time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For real. And I grew up swimming, but I, you know, just in the pool in the backyard, and not I wasn't an expert. But to your point of just like the repetitive. I mean, you want to talk about it'll wear you out just as much as anything else. Oh, yeah, it's great, great work. Swimming. Yeah. Exactly. And so you, you get certified, was, um, and obviously you're here at Hitchfit now. Um, so did, do you kind of put out feelers like, hey, you know, obviously you want to train people and, and help them meet their goals and, and things too, but was there other, or Hitchfit was the goal? Uh, Hitchfit Hitch was definitely the goal. That was the only place I was going to coach. Um, and we'll fast forward a little bit to, uh, I think it was August 1st of 2020. Um, I knew I was going to be retiring in the next year or so. Um, and I, I had been talking a good game about I'm going to be a coach. I'm going to be a personal trainer. I need to get my certification. But I was sitting there and I'm like, man, you haven't done it yet. All you've done is talk about it. Right. I literally opened my phone, went to the NASM site, and I signed up for the self-study course and the test right there instantly. Um, I think that was August 1st. I gave myself until October 31st to pass the test. Um, so, it, you know, it was a matter of, one, taking action, but, two, setting a date to that goal. Mm-hmm. So many times we get into, I'll do it in six months, I'll do it next year, and 
if we say I'm going to do it in six months, three months goes by and we're still saying I'll do it in six months. So you got to yeah. set a date to it. But once I did that, um, I just dove into it. I passed the test first time on October 3rd. Um, I had a race coming up, so that was my whole focus. But after that race, I reached out to Mike and Diana here at HitchFit, uh, came in, had a conversation, and the timing was perfect. And I'm a big believer that the things, the events in our lives, the people we meet are never by coincidence. I think there's a design by it. Um, they just happened to be looking to hire two coaches at, at that exact time. Um, sure. And fortunate enough that we kind of knew, we knew of each other. Um, I knew this is where I wanted to be. And I was fortunate enough that even though I didn't have any experience coaching, um, they took a chance on me. They knew what I was about and uh, um, been a part of the team here since December of 2020. Yeah. And we were, we were discussing kind of how this place is run. And I'm looking up at their posters up here, the owners. The dude looks like a beast. Well, and I'd say she she's doing okay. Absolutely. So those two those two got it going on. But uh, so this one's in Parkville, um, Hitch Fit Gym in Parkville. There's another one. Is it in Kansas City? Yeah, there's another one yeah. uh, downtown, Thirty First and Gillum. Downtown. Um, and so these owners, um, at least from what you were saying, I mean they're real hands on. So they want to be at the the gyms and you know they've got a spot here um and I didn't understand what it was until I walked in it's not a normal like you go to any time or whatever yeah. just an open gym to the public yeah so um, Hitch Fit is Mike and Diana's baby um I think they opened the first gym I think it's 13 years ago it's a transformation gym it's not an open membership gym people don't just come in and work out gotcha uh, everything is one-on-one -on -one coaching here most of our programs are 12 to 16, 20 weeks, um, just focus on transforming people. Uh, it's one-on-one -on -one weight training here in the gym. There's daily cardio goals, and then also a, a nutrition plan that's geared around the client's starting point and what their goals are. And you're trying to get rid of them. You want them to, I, I mean, not in a sense of like, I'll sure. see you later, I don't care about you anymore, but take what <laughs> you learn and then you can go apply it. Absolutely. I think, and that's what really sets HitchFit apart in this industry, is that a lot of gyms, you see people coming in, and they work out every Tuesday at 4 p.m., and they've been coming in for years, and they look the same or even worse than they did three or four years ago. Um, and, and not all gyms are set up like that, but a, a commercial gym environment is set up to bring in money. Mm -hmm. um, our focus is more of an education in that 12 to 16, 20-week program teaching you about nutrition, the proper way to train, um, and a lot of it's mindset, too. Really, we're not transforming people's bodies. We're transforming their mindset, and the, you know, the effects of that are getting in better shape and, and looking better. Um, but our goal is to give them the education so that when they're finished here, they can take that program and implement it anywhere they want on their own. Um, people come yeah, back from time to time, uh, but they certainly don't don't need to be coming month after month, year after year. Yeah. Um, no, I like that idea because you're, it's not a, I mean, obviously you own a business, you know, you got to pay the bills, you make money, but that's not the, the sole purpose of it. This isn't, uh, like you said, the ordinary, right, Planet Fitness, right? $10 a month, but it's as many people as you can just bring in and it's, you know, do your thing and you're gone, you yeah. know. this Mike, is uh, Mike and Diana's 
their brand of hitch fit is set yeah. on is set on transforming lives yeah and what was really a draw to me was not only that but also i think they share a common i guess theme that i have that is um, if you bring enough value to enough people the money takes care of itself sure um, i think that's where we get into trouble when we start focusing on money we need to focus on happiness and bringing value to other right, people yeah. and everything yeah. else will take care of itself yeah you got Right, it's not a big space. You've got everything you need in here, though, to Absolutely. meet all your goals. Um, and are you guys? Has uh, I apologize. Have we? Uh, I don't know if he's busy, but whenever you want to call him, you can. Yeah, I was getting ready to call him. It's no biggie. I was waiting. Um, no, go ahead. I'll all let right. him ring in. We'll get Todd in here. Ain't no biggie. Um, now that we've got a yeah, while he's doing that though, but what I wanted to say was you. Uh, Go it's ahead. Gonna, it's going to ring on here. So. Oh, is okay. Go ahead. So go Let's ahead see if and we fin- can get finish, him. and then. Uh, no, you're good. All right. Yeah. We'll get Let's Todd see if we here. can get Todd in Texas. Hopefully, he answers. He's he sounded like he was uh, had some people in the background. He's at some big nutrition conference thing down there. What's going on? Hi, is this Todd? <laughs> this is him. <laughs> hey, buddy. What's up, Todd? What's going on? Not much. We're just getting into this, and we're out here we, with uh, Kevin, Todd. We're out here with Sweet. Kevin. We're at what's Hitch- going on, Kevin? Hi, Todd. How are you, man? Oh man, super good, super good. We uh, so we kind of set the foundation here, so people kind of know what we're who we're talking to and all that. And uh, okay. um. But now we were wanting to get into so retiring from being a cop and now now you know setting his sights on doing the marathons and training people one on one and and doing all that. Yeah. We are talking about the gym and um, but it's a goal driven gym, right? It's all about life changes and and you guys train everybody from young to old to. You know, it doesn't matter who you are. You can. How do you get in touch with, you know, if if someone wanted to come in here and set up a program with someone? Uh, there's a couple of different ways. M- most of the leads that come in are online from the work that Mike and Diana do on social media, Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, um, and then a lot of the other leads just come in. People see stuff on social media and they just message coaches directly. They they can message you all Absolutely. directly. So. If you're, I mean, if you're thinking about, you know, we talked about, you just got to do it. I know when, when Todd came to me, right, jumping in and just, you know, setting your sights on. Same with this podcast. Here yep. I'm just talking about it, and he's just talking about it, and finally he goes, "Hey, here's the date," and and Todd set a date, and then we just did it. Um, so if you've got that mindset and you're like, "Hey, I want to make a life change," right, hit hit this place up, Hitch Fit Gym. And you can find them on Facebook too, and, and uh, or if you know a coach, don't be afraid to reach out and start Absolutely. that new life journey, right? So, Absolutely. I mean, not to mention, uh, let's lower that obesity rate. Absolutely. In America, yeah. so and you be know, healthy. It's, it's not a simple. It's not a simple task to transform your life. Um, it's hard work, and there's there's some uh, there's some sacrifice and even some suffering. It's short term; those are temporary and. And, you know, we just try to tell people that, that you're worth it. You're worth the sacrifice. And I think the biggest issue that gets people as we get older, as we get married, we have kids, and 
our number one focus becomes our family, our kids, and we forget about ourselves. Uh, we move down on the priority list to number four, number five, and we get out of shape. We start putting on weight, and we're not happy. So a big key of it is, is getting those priorities shifted and, and making people realize that they need to be priority number one because if you're not at your best, then you're no good for anybody else. Well, that's what I was then, – then you can be – right, if your priorities – taking care of your family or, or whatever, but you put yourself on the back burner, but then you become a burden, you know, and you're not at your peak performance, whether it's mentally or physically or both, um, and now you're not helping them. And maybe, you know, at some point, right, if your health becomes a, a big factor, now they're going to have to make you the priority and they're going to have to take care of you. So Absolutely. Um, exactly. So one of the things I – I wrote down and, and making this leap into what you're doing now, like I said, just seems crazy, especially at the age, you know, it's like, hey, I want to do this now, and I'm 47, 48, and you're 50 now. So, But what was the – did you have mentors or things that you read or other podcasts you listened to or um, your motivation, you know, to make that leap? Was there things that you looked at to help you along the way? Definitely. There's one person. Uh, most people probably know who he is, David Goggins. Yeah, I wrote his name down. I saw David Goggins speak <laughs> in 2014, 2015. I think he was still active duty in the Navy then. Um, and his, his story just really spoke to me. This guy comes from nothing, horrible upbringing, horrible childhood, and, and he never used any of that as an excuse. And his mindset has just become, uh, you know, that there's nothing he can't handle. So he was a big catalyst for this, even though I hadn't ran in years and I hated running. Um, his thing was that ultra endurance world, and that's kind of what what spurred me into this. Yeah, I read his I read his book. Um, I think it might have been after. Well, it's about the same time you were telling me about him, and but he talks about callousing that mind, um, which I think so. Right, just become hard. You know, he's he's pretty. If you haven't listened to him or read his book, but he's straightforward with what you got to do to, and, and there's different ways of doing things, but but his way does resonate with a lot of people, and um, but he talks about you know uh, uh, digging in that cookie jar and, and making yourself keep going, and um, he's got a great story. If you do have time to read his book, I think it's. I think it's well worthwhile, but that's a good mentor, uh, a motivation guy to have on your side. That's for sure. Yeah, he's uh, he's at the very extreme of that. That's for sure. I, mean, I, I think I'm pretty hardcore, but he's way beyond me. Yeah, Todd, did so you? When you so, ahead, when, Todd. so when you, uh, I was gonna say when you made your decision. I'm, I mean, most of us make this decision, and then there's those, you know, those rough patches where you like, uh, did I really make the right decision? What makes you continue to push yourself to go? Like uh, I know for me, when I'm when in our business, there's moments where it's kind of um, I'm not gonna say slow, but it's like you're not you don't feel like you're going in any tread. And so, what makes you continue to be like, okay, this is worth it? Yeah, you know, I make the comparison. Um, David Goggins has a cookie jar where when he's struggling and when he thinks he's at his end. He reaches into that cookie jar, but in his cookie jar, he's got 
snippets of everything that he's accomplished, the things he's done, and he reminds himself of how how tough he is, and there's nothing he can't overcome. Uh, mine's mm-hmm. a little different. I have a I have a chip on my shoulder. I don't have a cookie jar, um, and I've talked about this before. And that's the chip on my shoulder is what's what fuels me. Inside that chip, um, mm-hmm. I store up every time that I've failed, the times I haven't measured up, the days that I've quit. Um, and there's also times that I remember in there where people didn't believe in me. People wrote me off. Um, and I keep a short list of names in there. Um, you know, all the stress of being a cop in a violent major city for 25 years. And there's a couple of demons locked up in there. And when I'm struggling and hurting in a race, I take the lid off that thing and I visit some of that stuff. And that, uh, that's what fuels me. No, that's right. Nice. Yeah, everybody's got to have, you see it in sports a lot, right? Having that chip on your shoulder and and whether they're positive things or usually it's, uh, you know, you got overlooked or someone always talked down to you. Um, it's a great motivator for a lot of people. Um, so you make the you make the jump and then you, you talked about a few of these races. Um, you learned how to swim. You did the triathlon. Um are you more focused now on just doing running races, different ones, or what's the ultimate goal right for now, you? Right now, the only running goal I have is a goal I've had for about two years. I uh, failed at my first attempt in October, but that goal is to finish a 100-mile race in under 24 hours. Gotcha. And that's solely, solely my running focus right now. Sure. And so what's the – it's huge. You don't just go run 100 miles and practice. What's that look like when, you're, when someone's trying to, even for a, a marathon, like a 25-mile, um, it's not like you just go out every day and run 25 miles. I'm sure some people run a lot, but, you know, especially a 100-mile. Like, what's the training for that look like to prep yourself to run 100 <laughs> I run 100 miles. Well, evidently, I haven't figured it out yeah. yet. <laughs> um, you know, when I started this, that first run was two miles. Um, the next week, I think my longest was four, and then I went up to six. What I have done is just once a week, I try to do a long, slow outing. Um, I worked up to 20 miles probably in about eight weeks at the beginning of this. Um, and so I'll work up to, and what I like to do for my longest outing before one of these races is I do a backyard format. I do eight hours. So a backyard ultramarathon is 4.16 miles every hour on the hour, which drug out to 24 hours is 100 miles. Um, So I will typically go out for eight hours of that, and I'll do 4.16 miles, Uh, usually leave myself eight or nine minutes to rest, get something to drink, eat, whatever. And then at the top of that next hour, I go back out. So eight hours of that puts me at about 33 miles. Um, every once in a while, I'll just go out and do a 50K will be my long run before before a race. That's 31 miles. And did you just finish a 50-mile? Uh, I did a 50-mile, I don't know, it's been four or five weeks ago. Four or five weeks ago. Yeah. And you're still wow. – so let's go. You talked about – well, I haven't figured it out yet. So you have tried a 100-mile race, and where was that at? Uh, Ottawa, Kansas. Ottawa, Kansas is uh, rails to trails out there and. Right now, that uh, that is my sole focus. That uh, that course. And so, how did? And I know I can't see you, Todd, but I can hear you. So, if you got something, just talk over me, and I'll I'll get about you in to there. too. So, I've got this <laughs> no. this uh, question for you that I've had for a couple of weeks now since I met you. 
Um, you hate running completely. With a passion. Yet you want to go out and run 100 miles. What motivates you to do something that you can't even stand doing? Two reasons. One uh, is I love to push my physical and my mental limits, and I haven't found any better way to do that than, than running ultra marathons. Um, and two, just to inspire others to, you know, not everybody wants to run 100 miles or 50 miles or whatever, but to inspire other people to get out of their comfort zone and to start start doing stuff that maybe they don't necessarily like to do, but a lot of the benefits, the rewards, the goals, the things we want in life, they're on the other side of that suffering and that adversity, and sometimes we've got to do things we don't want to do to get there. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. There's, yeah, because I, yeah, I couldn't, I mean, I hate running. I wouldn't go out and run And then two it's like, miles. oh, I'm going to go run 100 miles. Right. But I think to you, to your that's point, awesome. it's more than that. Yeah. It's not the, yeah. I mean, and it's not just running. There's, you know, you can take what you're talking about and, and put Absolutely. it towards anything in life. Uh, maybe it's schooling or starting a business or whatever it may be. Um, I just don't think anybody's going to be like, <laughs> man, I'm going to do the ultimate yeah. of what I passionately hate. Hate the most. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, and most people don't. Um, I don't think anybody yeah. does. <laughs> it's, it's, well, it's if awesome. you read this book, man, it's, it's, a, it's an incredible book. It's called Eat the Frog. And so I feel like uh, the thing that is the hardest to do, you get it knocked out first. And once you get that knocked out, there's nothing that you, can, you can't do. So I, I understand why he runs. It's like once I complete this, now I can do anything because I just did the hardest thing that I didn't want to do. And now everything else becomes easy. Absolutely. Yeah. So what's your next goal? Is that the when is that next race? When's that one? Uh, I found one in September that's on my radar, but I think I'm going to save that goal for that course in October, which I think is October 29th. Gotcha. On the on the previous hundred mile race, um, and I know a little bit about it, but um, for people that don't know, kind of take us through that and what happened, and and because it's it's kind of a great story, especially the ending. Yeah. Um, when we first came and met you, you were telling us. Yeah, so last March out at Ottawa, that's the first time I had run the Ottawa course. Last March I did the 50-mile race there. I had been 54 miles before, um, but that March race I achieved my goal, which was to finish the 50 miles in under 10 hours. Um, and in reflecting after that race, um, 50 miles no longer scared me. Um, and so I just I needed to I needed to take the next jump and – so for me, that was 100 miles. Uh, so in October, I showed up for my first 100-mile race out there. Um, and I had, had injured my ankle a few weeks before the race. So the last couple of weeks were just trying to maintain the fitness I had, but trying to rest some stuff. Um, and my ankle started giving me lots of issues at about mile 18. I had a great pace going. I felt great. Uh, and from mile 18 to 31, my ankle got worse and worse, and then it popped. Um, I couldn't move some of my toes. I was having shooting sharp pains. Um, they kind of stopped me in my tracks. Um, and I dug into, I was alone on the trail at the time. And I kind of dug into that chip on my shoulder. And I got moving again, and things got a little better. Uh, but it just really slowed me down. And 
you can't use it as an excuse when you're pushing your body to those limits that stuff's going to happen you've got to be able to push through it um, but that just got me really behind schedule and <clears throat> I think at mile 54 was the last time I ran I walked every step after that and then I we were at at a mile 79 I think we were uh it was about 22 hours into the race, and I, I started oh. thinking about it, and I, I lost sight of that, you know, getting to the next mile, just one more mile, the next tree. Sometimes you start playing these games of, man, just take 50 more steps. And I lost sight of that, and I started doing the math, and I realized at that pace that I had seven hours left, and I'd already been suffering pretty badly for, I don't know, 18 hours and just got overwhelmed by the enormity of it and just didn't see a path to finishing and and gave in to that that urge to go seek comfort because that hundred mile race that the 20 so people know the 24 hour is your limit that's, that's that was your goal. that's my goal um i was still on pace to finish the race it has a, i think it's a 30 hour cutoff okay and so let people know what happened when you quit and then what transpired afterwards with because is that where you with the lady and then yeah. but dealing with your wife yeah so um after I dropped out I uh, went back to the hotel and uh my wife had been there all week and I had or all weekend and I had a couple of friends that had that had been there all weekend stayed up all night to help pace me and help crew me um <clears throat> got back to the hotel and I I asked my wife I said hey I need to get a couple hours of sleep. Can we hang out here for a few hours and then we'll get on the road and get home? She was like, sure. So I think it was about six hours later, uh, we get in the car and we're going to drive home. And as we were getting on the highway to get onto I-35 to head home, um, a lady that was in the race popped out. The trail intersects there at the highway and you pass under the, uh, the entrance ramp. And it's only about a 30 second window and I saw a lady that was still in the race. She had a mile to go. So she was basically at the finish line. And I had been with that lady for seven or eight miles straight uh, before I dropped out. And so just the thought of six hours later in a 30-second window, we crossed paths again uh, to kind of show me that, hey, had you have stuck with it, even walking, you would have finished. And I knew instantly. I'm like, that's that's not a coincidence. This is... This is by design, and I've got to come back to Ottawa. Yeah. It's such a wow. wild – for that to happen six hours later, after you leave, you go to go back home, and there she is finishing the race. And that was the last person I had seen on the course yeah. six hours, seven hours before. Yeah, and you, in your mind, you're like, well, I could have finished. Yeah. Um, wow. Wow. And, and whether you could, but that's that perseverance in your that's mind. That's easy to say six that. hours later in the car after you've eaten and had something to drink and you got four or five hours of sleep. Right, yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah, because you had been on that trail for so long, already injured. I mean, a lot of people, most people, that's it. Their ankle pops. It's already hurting at mile 18 or whatever. Yeah. That's it. I'm done. And, and, it, just for me, I mean, that is amazing that the perseverance you had just to continue on in this excruciating pain to mile 79, right? You're, you're putting in 50 more miles of pain, um, which, which goes to show you what, 
you know, if you put your mind to it and what your body can go through and, and what, when are you really at your limit? Yeah, absolutely. We're capable of way more than we think. Yeah. Do you see that in here when people like, do you try, when you're training people, getting them in that mindset of you have more? Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's not necessarily of, of the intensity or the length in here, but uh, it happened twice this week that I've got a couple of exercises and we won't go into it that are pretty intimidating that uh, for some newer clients, they, they see me demonstrate it and you can see the look on their face and they're like, there's no way I can do that. And I'm like, you can, you just convince them, Hey, you can, and they get up there and they do it. And uh, you kind of see the light bulb come on a little bit. Yeah. And that's those, I've got some of those exercises that I, that I hold back and those are by design for that purpose. And on, on that, when you, let's just use me for example, if I'm like, right, I'm struggling to, to take that leap and, and go to the gym or just maybe I don't want to go get a membership anywhere or I don't want a trainer. Um, maybe I, I have a home gym or just walking around the neighborhood and people struggle with starting or they'll start for a day and then it's back to square one. They give up. Like, what's the process or what's the best way to get people started um, that don't want to or they do and they're done after a day or two sure um, I think the biggest key is to have a why why are you doing what you're doing uh, for a lot of people it's a it's a medical scare people have heart attacks they go to the doctor and the doctor says hey look if you don't make changes you're going to be dead in five years uh, that scares a lot of people. Maybe there's a medical incident with a heart attack, something like that. Or maybe you just realize that you're capable of, of living a better life than you're living. Maybe your why is because you want to be around long enough to see your kids and your grandkids grow up. But you've got to have a why is the, is the first key. Number two, and I think it's the biggest issue, is that you've got to learn to start keeping promises to yourself. And we need to start out small. If, if you're not in the habit of keeping promises to yourself, you need to pick three or four things daily. Little easy things, they're guaranteed wins. Um, simply brushing your teeth before you go to bed. If you do that three days in a row, you count those as wins. Those are promises you kept to yourself and just build from there. I think so many people do nothing uh, physically and have no nutritional discipline for 10 years, and they decide that, hey, I'm going to start running five miles a day. And it just, it's not, it doesn't last very long. You're not, you're not accustomed to keeping those kind of promises to yourself. Right, they set these extravagant goals. The promises are too big. Yeah, and then you don't see any wins piling up. And exactly, then... you got to get some of those guaranteed wins under your belt, build some momentum. And then also another thing of, you know, there's a lot of days that I don't feel like doing any of this stuff. Uh, but once you get used to keeping those promises and they become habit, um, you actually will go through those things. You'll actually do those things on a daily basis without even thinking about it. So it doesn't matter if you want to do it or don't. You're, you're on autopilot. You, it just it becomes a habit that you do regardless of how you feel. Yeah, that, no, that's a good point. Um, so you got the – I lost track here, but that's, that's all right. Uh, you did the 100-mile um, – competed in it obviously we know that's the ultimate goal for um, now for now is to is to complete the 100 miles in 24 hours or less 
Um, if you can envision, let's just say you complete that, do, do you have an, a vision a year from now, five years from now, um, what you're going to do next, or it doesn't matter at this point because it doesn't matter until I do my 100 miles? Yeah, I don't, I'm not looking past 100 miles. Yeah. Um, I've, I see what it, you know, I see now, I knew that doing 100 miles isn't twice as hard as doing 50 miles. It's about four times harder. Um, but I can't look past that. It's still, it's not a, I'm going to accomplish it in October. It's going to happen, but it's still my sole focus when it comes to running. Gotcha. Okay. Um, there's, what sucks about these journeys of growth and, and getting better and inspiring others, there's never a finish line. Um, right. At some point, I'm going to get comfortable finishing 100-mile races. Um, you know, and to that point, this last 50-mile race I did. So after I was injured in that race in October, it was six weeks before I did anything. Um, and on my very first run back, I tore the medial meniscus in my left knee um, and then kind of hobbled around on it for a month. I had surgery in February, and then <clears> – <throat> I think I, I started running, I don't know, two, three weeks after surgery, just a little bit, and had this wild hair of, why don't I show up at Ottawa for the 50-mile race with no goal other than just simply finishing? So um, I hadn't trained in five months, uh, and I showed up 50 days after knee surgery and finished a 50-mile race. And there was never any time in that race where I doubted that I was going to finish. And that, that's become my new minimum standard, that no matter what shape I'm in, no matter what's going on, I can show up and finish a 50-mile race. And at some point, maybe 100 miles yeah. becomes that to me. When you finish the 100 miles, because I know you're an avid hunter too, then maybe you can get on one of those ultra marathons with Cam Haynes. Yeah. <laughs> if he walked the whole thing i couldn't keep up with him <laughs> that guy is a machine yeah he's uh, he's also with that the other. only guy that can keep up with him that i know of is david goggins absolutely them two together um no that's great so one of the another another uh thing you've got in the fire that i wanted to bring up and you're wearing the shirt now but um where you kind of took a leap is the first form athlete. And I didn't know much about it either. And so I kind of looked at it and, but was that something that you wanted to try to do or did that just come about now? Oh, uh, so I actually was aware of it last year. I signed up for it last year, but I didn't do anything about it. Uh, it was, wasn't a priority. Gotcha. And this year, uh, well, I knew it was, I knew it was coming up again. It's another one of those things where I'm like, just setting unrealistic goals. You know, it's a contest of, I don't know how many people, there's probably 25,000 people that enter this thing. Uh, this year, oh, they're, yeah. they're picking go, six good. winners um, gotcha. to be sponsored athletes by first form. And most people look at it as, well, they're only picking six out of 25,000. That's impossible. Yeah. I don't know. And what is. is what is the – so – when I was looking at, like, what is first form? And, like, like I saw they had a gym, but I think it's just for their athletes. It's based out of – it's in Missouri, but, like, over towards St. Louis. But what is first form in this competition? Like, how does the – is that for anybody? 
Absolutely. So First Form is is the best supplement company in the world. They're based out of St. Louis, uh, which is cool. They're right here in our home state. Mm-hmm. Um, but what really drew me to First Form, not only the quality of their products, hey, but the community they've built. Um, and what is really cool is that they run these contests every year um, to come up with sponsored athletes, and they don't go out looking for the best, the biggest, um, the fanciest athletes. It's a, it's a contest between anybody that wants to sign up, and you don't have to have the biggest following. You don't have to be the most muscular or the best athlete. Uh, the focus is do you, do you lead by example? Do you, do you walk the walk? And do you strive to inspire others and to help them get better? Yeah, so you signed up, uh, what has it been, about a month now? Yeah, it's been, I don't know, four or five weeks. I actually, I actually started, officially started a week or two before that. I'm a slow learner. I'm slow at everything. I need a head start. But one thing, like you're talking about that they do, this is it's kind of open for everybody Absolutely. that wants to do it, but you bring this up a lot in your workouts or your posts, is that you're uh, – an average athlete, so to speak. I get a lot of pushback on that. Right. And, and, and because I think some people look at it and go, eh, are you average? Because you're doing 100-mile races and 50-mile races and finish them and working out every day. How, how are you average? You know? And here I'm, I'm going, he looks above average to me. Yeah. Yeah, I get, I get pushback on that all the time. Um, I wasn't a good enough athlete to play sports in college. Um, I wasn't good enough. Um, I've never been extremely strong. I've never been fast. I've never been quick. Average in everything. Um, and the way I look and the things I accomplish have nothing to do with my natural athletic God-given ability. You know, that's a variable that, that we can't control. Um, the way I look and the things I accomplish are from hard work, discipline, and consistency. And anybody can do that. Yeah. I think one of the favorite things I wrote this down, I was on one of your posts, you talk about your average ability. Um, as you're going through these goals that you're trying to reach or each day, um, you, re- you wrote down outperform your average ability. Absolutely. Um, which is great when you think about it. Like, okay, if my average ability is I can do, uh, I can walk a mile, then walk a mile and a half. Um, or if you're, if it's in business and, and your average, average is, uh, two cars a week, you know, selling, sell three, right? Out, outperform your average ability each day and you'll reach those goals. Yeah. And I think we, we as humans have a habit of, and, and I do this too. I catch myself looking at the David Goggins or Cameron Haynes and I think, man, they're way better than me. They're better athletes than me. They're luckier than me, whatever it is. Um, and I think there's some people out there that look at me and say the same thing. But again, this journey started with me losing 20 or 30 pounds over three or four months, got in fairly decent shape, and my first run was two miles, and I hadn't ran in years. I had the same excuse as everybody else does. My knees are torn up. I've got torn up discs in my back. My hips hurt. Um, it's the same stuff. Now, all that stuff still hurts. But I could still run. Well, the same, you talk about David Goggins, the same with him, though. Uh, yeah, you would look at him now as like, <clears throat> he's like an elite marathoner. But that's not really the case if you talk, you know, he's outperforming his, his average. But he didn't know how to swim. 
He didn't know how to run. Uh, didn't do good in school, you know. Yeah. Although he he now he's this super brilliant, you know, went through buds and he's became a Navy SEAL and um, all these other special ops deals and became smart. But all that was outperforming his average ability at the time too. He yeah. he he just each day worked a little more, a little more, and and callous that mind and and outperformed his ability i actually saw a video clip this morning and i cannot remember who it was but he said that if you can envision it in your mind and you have the courage to speak it you can make it happen yeah because if you look at you know use goggins as an example growing up he did not look like what he looks like yeah absolutely not so um and there was a lot of hard work yeah. yeah, I think a lot of people have that voice when they set out on a big journey that they want to run a 50-mile race, and at some point in training or in that race, they get to a point where they're really hurting, and they have a voice that says, you can't do this. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't have that voice. Um, I never focus on the problem. I just try to focus on the solution and, and work the problem and get through it. Yeah. So I see you in here making posts and working out and you're doing marathons and all this stuff, do you take a break? Do you have a rest? Absolutely. I mean, you know, you're trying to compete in these crazy races. Um, You even injure yourself, and then you go do a 50K. Is there time for breaks? Should you give yourself a break? That's different for everybody. Yeah, Um, yeah, well, obviously, we have to have our rest. We have to have our time off. And that's something this first form athlete search has made me realize, and I posted about it this morning. Um, And I also had a phone conversation with a guy that I really look up to that that took the time out to reach out to me and offer me some coaching, mentoring. Uh, His name's Will Grimes. And he challenged me a little bit on some stuff I was doing. And he basically uh, said that, that when it's time to work, you know, we grind like nobody's business. Nobody will outwork us. And when it's time to play, we play till it hurts. So, but when it's time to rest, we do nothing. Uh, but I think we get caught trying to be half pregnant in all areas. Um, so that's something that I struggle with. I struggle with when I get on when I get onto my goals that that becomes my number one priority. And we talked about this a little bit earlier that. There's a lot of people that can handle eight or nine small priorities, and they can keep eight or nine small plates in the air, and I can't do it. Um, I have to focus on one or two big plates, and the rest of the stuff just doesn't get handled. So is your, do you have rest days, though, where it's nothing but maybe it's stretching or yoga or something to settle I, yourself? I don't norm, I know I don't have scheduled uh, days off. The way I do it is something I picked up from following Jocko Willink, and he said that, he has a day that he feels like taking off. He doesn't take that day off. Um, he still shows up. He still trains. Even if he's just going through the motions, he still shows up. And on that second day, if he f- still feels like he needs to take a break, then you take the day off. Um, but that's one thing I've got to get a little better at, that I get dialed into these goals. And um, I'll go 8, 10, 12 weeks with absolute no social activity, no outings. We, my wife and I call it we go into hiding. It's training and eating our strict nutrition plan, and um, and I, there is a time for that. Sometimes it it's got to be like that, and then I go through periods um, where, you know, 
I love to go to happy hour on Friday afternoon with a buddy or two, have a couple of drinks, dinner, um, but I can't do it all the time. Right. Achieve the goals I want. So I won't use the term balance because there is no balance when you're chasing big, scary, unrealistic goals. But that when is it time to work? When is it time to train? When is it time to rest? That's different for everybody, and we need to figure figure out what works best for us. But I know that's something that this first form contest has made me realize, and they're that the community is big on um, taking time away. What do you do outside of training and, and enjoy some other facets of life? So that's something I need to get better at, and I'm working on it. And when does that – when's the first form contest end? <laughs> it's a year long. Started in April and ends in March. Ends in March. Roughly. And that's – so you'll know soon after that when it ends if you uh, are one of the six. Yeah. I'll have to pay attention. We can't do, like, write-in votes. It's I only wish. through them. No, you know, I'm, I'm, I focus on this, or my, my outlook on this is a little different, and probably just from my life experience. But even though 25,000 people entered, 24,000 will do nothing about it. So really, there's only 1,000 people. Um, man, life gets busy. People have other priorities. Six months from now, out of those 1,000, only 200 people will, will be consistently still pursuing it. Nine months from now, I truly think it's down to a couple hundred people. Um, I like those odds. That doesn't sound unrealistic. A lot better to me. than twenty-five thousand. Sure, it does. None of it. None of it sounds realistic to me. You know, I do the best I can. I can control what I control, and see how things work out. Sure enough, that's a, maybe that's my goal for next year. I have to enter this thing. There you go. Get myself ready, Todd. You and I me. I think buddy. the biggest thing is. Uh, uh, a lot of us put limitations on ourselves. Absolutely. So because we put those limitations on ourselves, we build up the, the doubts. We build up the fears. We build up all these things that make it so we don't be able to see our true self. And so I like what you have done. You said, hey, even if I can't push myself, I'm still going to do it. And then tomorrow I go back after it. And I feel, I feel like if you go through the emotions, you're going to have that much. That is your rest. And so that next day, you're going to have enough strength and power to push yourself through it. And you're going to feel like, hey, yesterday was my day that I, I didn't feel it. But today, I feel good. Because I've seen it before. I've done it. Absolutely. It's times where I'm just like, I'm not going to feel it. And then the next day, I'm like super jacked up. And I'm like, yeah. I can't have a day like tomorrow. Those days where we don't feel like it, those are some of the days that I have my best training sessions. Um, yep. and I, I think it's – I don't think most of the time we don't really need the day off. Um I think some of that was a little bit of weakness creeping in, and we're we're looking for yeah. an excuse to not do what we need to do. Yeah, that's some. No, it's good points. I did write down um, something that I want to make sure we get out there, and it's got nothing to do with your training. Although um, I think you did it when you were running, but um, being from Kansas City and then um, around law enforcement. And, I just wanted to bring up um, something you did. I don't know if it was last last year, but it was the Sarah Soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, are you still a part of that, or how is that, um, like, where she's at now? So she has a uh, – it's ALS. ALS, yeah. or Commonly Lugan, known Lug- as Lou Gehrig's disease. Yes, yeah, so, um, you know, it's something that needs to be talked about constantly and obviously research and things like that and um 
I thought that was an amazing thing that you did and you and raised money and I think you incorporated it with you were running at the time something like that. I yeah. can't I can't remember all, all of this ties together with the way I approach everything. Um, Sarah and I worked together at the Kansas City, Missouri Police Department. And, gosh, I should know this. I think it was 2018 when she was diagnosed with ALS. Um, and last year at the March race leading up to that, I wanted to, tie it, I wanted to tie it to something else. I wanted the why or my purpose to be bigger than just me. Um, and I had thought about you know, her and, and seeing her story, and she, her story's really inspired me to be grateful for the opportunities I have. And I knew, I knew there was a, a need there. Um, and Sarah and I had only met, I think, a time or two. We didn't really know each other. Um, and I thought, man, how great it would be to tie this as a fundraiser for her to make it more than me. And everybody has those ideas, but nobody takes action, just like we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. I just... One day I just decided, I reached out to her, and I'm like, hey, this is what I'm thinking. Is there a need? Um, and you know, She was truly grateful, but all I did was take a little bit of action and organize it. So in that March race, um, we did a fundraiser for her to kind of cover some cost of treatment and her care, and also uh, there's some treatments hopefully coming down the line that, that show promise for her and everyone else with ALS. Yeah. But – the costs are astronomical, and I, I mean, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars, but uh, that first race in March, our community donated about $15,000 to her, um, and then we did the same thing in the October race, the 100-mile yeah, race, and they, our community donated 18000 so, you know, all I did was just organize that, and I had the courage to take action. Uh, the community did the rest, but that was $33,000 last year that was raised for her and her fight and uh yeah we're definitely going to keep that going as long as there's a need there i've got some well, ideas th- for something even bigger this year and i think that's and so people don't know and but als has no cure right now right. so it's um you know it's a it's a sad thing to get and, and but like she shows a lot of courage and i think that's the underlying I mean, if we wanted to put a theme to this episode today, is courage is a is a great theme because we talk about in your race or taking the leap from retiring um, and then learning how to swim, and all this stuff takes courage and and perseverance and the willingness to keep moving and outperforming that average ability. Absolutely, you know, and, yeah. and Sarah and her story is another perspective for me that when I think I've had a bad day, my bad day is 10 times better than her best day, and yet she still gets up and fights every day. Um, she, she would love to have the able body that a lot of us have. She would love to be able to work out and, and run and, and all this stuff. So uh, I think all of us that have the capability, we owe it to Sarah and everyone else who doesn't have the use of an able body yeah. to to make the most of what we have. Yeah, and not just in the physical sense. Like Absolutely. we're talking obviously about the the marathons and stuff, but it doesn't just have to be that. Absolutely. It can be at your job or your home life or uh, helping someone else. And um, now it's a great it's a great thing you've done and. Um, Obviously, we'll be rooting for you for the, the October race. And um, 
I don't. I know that's. Is it this October? Mm-hmm. So I know that's in October. Um, I know that you like to hunt, so don't let that get in the way of some of your hunting hobbies. Uh, make sure you still have the passion for the outdoors, and uh, you can get some exercise out in the woods too. Oh, Colorado elk season's great training. Yeah, it happens before the October race, and bow hunting here in Missouri doesn't really heat up till after October yeah, 29th, so, can, so it's perfect. Yeah, go climb mountains. Perfect. Right? That's how Cam Haynes trains. He just yeah. climbs mountains. Just yeah. throw an elk on your back and yeah. hike out about eight miles. Yeah. Um, no, I'm glad I'm glad you came on. And when we were doing this, I'm like, man, I got to – you just have a, an outlook on life, um, especially if you're, if you're someone that wants to get fit. It's just a great journey to watch. And uh, but we'll all be rooting for you for that hundred yeah, mile race. And appreciate you taking um, up the time, man. For yeah, sure. oh, I appreciate this you is, guys having me. Been, I love love sharing the story. Yeah, so we'll we we'll make sure everybody you know watch this episode. Well, listen to this episode. Try that. Um, <laughs> and uh, and and get on Instagram and go to Dual Delivery uh, Podcast and and. Make sure you like the episode and share it so we can get the word out. And, and, you know, sharing this episode could help someone that's thinking about taking that leap themselves and um, in something in their life. So I do appreciate you coming on, Kevin, and uh, taking the time. And hopefully we can do it again. And uh, especially with a with a finish in under 24 hours. So maybe maybe we'll have something else look forward to so absolutely and and as we as we close i want to leave your audience with this um i am very average and anybody can do what i'm doing four keys one is to start keeping promises to yourself two is to stop worrying about what others think about you make a habit of doing something that sucks every day and start chasing happiness instead of money Uh, those four keys right there have gotten me where i'm headed and they'll work for anybody yes sir wow powerful Todd, you good down there in Texas? Good down here, man. We just closed up uh, the workshop. Everybody, as you can hear, all the people in the background, they are kind of rude. They see me over here. So it's all good. <laughs> uh, right on. <laughs> but, yeah, everything's good. All right, buddy. We're coming back home tomorrow. So Yes, sir. We will see yeah, you there. I always say, man, going to be great, people. Going to be great. Thank you. This podcast was brought to you in part by Rise Nutrition.